The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Morning, chapel family. Happy Bacon Fest Day to all of the vegetarians, pescatarians, non-porkatarians. I'm sorry. Today is a good day for all of you pork-loving addicts. And just as a bonus, today, for the first time in my life, I dipped bacon in my coffee, and then I decided to let a piece marinate in my coffee because people put all sorts of crazy stuff in there, coconut oil, butter. I'm like, why not bacon? And just go home, get a nice fatty piece of bacon, let the hotness of the coffee render some of that bacon fat in there, and you're welcome. Okay? That's how, that's how it's going to go down. I, w- I was amazed. I was like, wow, this is mind-blowing. And one of my friends who owns a restaurant in California said, you may have stumbled onto something. And I said, dude, if you make money on this and you don't give some to me, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's my idea. Bacon fall in. I leave it there. Uh, so I love you guys. VBS was so much fun for these kids. Uh, I just got to see like the intros and the outros each day. But to see little kids and big kids loving Jesus is such a radical and beautiful and amazing thing. And if your kids missed out on it or if you missed out on it, just get ready for next year. Just get ready to be like, okay, next year I want to be one of those grown-ups dancing like that to choreographed Jesus music because there's not much better than that. And then invite all your coworkers to come learn about God that day. And that's a way to get people to get plugged in. So anyway, we are in Ephesians chapter 2. I I just want to say this week has been, uh, for those of you who have been here the last couple weeks, I've been going through a little bit of a rough time with some uh, close friend issues that have happened over on the West Coast. And it's kind of, it rocked me a little bit. And one of the things uh, that happened in all of this, because I I had two main mentors in my life. One uh, passed away of a heart attack about seven years ago now. And another one is now in, in legal trouble for some pretty heinous things that have imploded his life. So my, my wife got me the best Father's Day present ever. She uh, arranged through circumstances, prayer, and the mighty hand of God for me to talk with one of my living heroes. So, um, so imagine whoever like you're one of your favorite people in the world are. Like if you pick your top two favorite people, that's who I got to talk to on the phone this week. And I have their cell phone number in my cell phone. And literally, I geeked out so much that I told my wife when it was all done, I talked to this, this pastor for about 47 minutes and 23 seconds. I wasn't counting. Um, <laughs> I, I, I told her when I was done, I said, babe, because I've been like having worst day after worst day after worst day. And she said, how was your day? And, and I said, babe, it's, it's today because I, I talked to this pastor and then I went and bought 30 pounds of bacon from a meat market. It was the best day of my life. And then the birth of my kids. And then our wedding day, in that order. <laughs> and um, I don't know if she thought I was joking. I was joking. But it's been, um, it's been a good week. Uh, I still am, am feeling funky, but I've got my brain back upon my shoulders. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And this morning's text, um, my prayer my prayer, let me pray my prayer, and then you'll find out what my prayer is, okay? Here we go. Father, I thank you for VBS. I thank you that you have drawn kids to come and love you and know you and embrace you for who you are. 
Lord, this morning, this topic is something that uh, that even our culture somewhat values. But also, Lord, this morning's topic is something that is deeply rooted in our culture. This idea of division, this idea of disunity, this idea of racism, it, it's so prevalent, Lord. And I can't, in my own power, change the hearts of people. You can. So I ask that you would do that this morning, that we would leave this place with a heart of radical love toward others who are different from ourselves. Lord, I cannot change the way people see the world, but you can. So I pray that you would take scales off of our eyes to see others how you see them. And I thank you for bacon. In Jesus' name, amen. One more uh, tip of advice for, for dads. If you're a father in here today, I told this uh, to, to our drummer. I said, hey, every Father's Day, it's like this day where we get to be pampered, and I'm totally okay with that. If you want to do the traditional Father's Day thing, go ahead and do that. But, but, if you want the hugest, biggest blessing from God on Father's Day, I would encourage you dads to try this. Go home today and outserve and outlove and outplay with your kids and family and wife. Because Jesus came to serve and to love and to pour out his life. And when we do that as dads, I think that's when God's eyes and God's heart are, are just showering down upon us and putting us where we are meant to be. And it is nice, I have to admit, to just binge watch, eat bacon, watch Star Trek. I'm good with that some days. But for some reason today, I just feel like the dads need to be like, I'm going to play with my kids. I'm going to give my wife a foot rub. I'm going to clean. I'm going to take care of this house. And the dads may be thinking, dude, you are setting me up for failure. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm setting you up for future success. Wink, wink, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, 9 p.m., okay? Okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Man, I don't have to use these today because... There's not much scripture, and they're so foggy, it's not working. Important verse in Ephesians. If you weren't here last week, if you remember nothing from Ephesians, get this verse in your brain, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, this process of salvation, is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand. This is the core. We are saved by grace, by his free gift, through faith. And that whole stanza, by grace, through faith, none of that is our own doing. All of that is a gift of God. It's a free gift for you. If you don't get that, you won't get anything else in the Bible right. God's way of salvation came to undercut our boasting. God looks at our boasting and says, no boasting, it's me. And if you don't start there, today's passage will just be like a social activist throwback speech from the civil rights movement, and I don't want it to be that. I want us to understand that when Jesus came, he came to bring together what the world separates. God 
on the cross creates a new family, and that's what the whole thrust of today's passage is. This concept of Gentiles and Jews being brought together. Now, is anyone here an ethnic Jew? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. But if you are, that's what the Bible calls Israel. The majority of us here are Gentiles. That's everyone that is not descended from the line of Abraham. If you're Filipino, if you're from South Africa, if you're from South Arkansas, Gentiles for the most part. And this passage is about a radical new unity. So I'm going to read through five verses, uh, 11 to 16. I'm going to read all the way through them, and then we'll come back to the top. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, we're going to talk about this later, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember, you Gentiles, that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. Okay, so some of you are thinking, wait a second, I was not prepared for a Father's Day sermon to have the word circumcision in it. Okay, just bear with me. You have to know the history, because for 2,000 years, There was a people. God had brought about a people, Israel, through the line of Abraham, and they were to be a blessing to the nations, but instead of being a blessing, they looked inward a lot. And part of what their deal was, was that one day God went to Abraham and said, Hey, Abe, you're my people, I'm your God, and as a symbol for this, I want you to circumcise yourself and your children. Before local anesthetics existed, an adult male. And now, the other question that I always ask, and and you're free to ask, I'm not going to answer because I don't know how it works, but somehow people knew who were circumcised and who were uncircumcised going in and out of the temple. I don't know what that entrance looked like. I don't know if there was a guard like, hey, are you part of the club? Nope, get out. I don't know. But I do know that this was a, an outward symbol that you were God's people. And I also know that they, those people got all of God's laws. The laws like don't eat pork. The laws like don't touch dead things. The ceremonial laws of the Levites. There were uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws, over 630 laws that God had laid out. And some people say, well, are we supposed to follow all those laws? Why did God give all these weird laws? As a fun side thing, if you ever want to do this, look at the laws God gave his people and how God sovereignly protected them from diseases that other countries and other nations and other people groups got wiped out from. And it's pretty miraculous that God set up a system because, let's just put it this way, how many of you have met somebody who says, oh yeah, I'm Mesopotamian? No one here because they're all gone. But we all know some Jewish people. 
because God has given them structures and has had his arms around them to get them to this point. Right now, the, the Israel, people of Israel literally are surrounded by mostly enemies, and yet they are going on. It, it's not an accident. God has set up within his laws a way that has preserved the Israel people. But for 2,000 years, there were the Israelites and then the rest of us. And that's what this passage is about. Paul is saying, after he gives us the gospel, he says, you are saved by grace through faith. It's all about Jesus. If you believe in him, you're seated with him. You inherit all that he has. You are a saint. You are rich in Christ. You are seated and secure. And now he gets to this point. And he says, remember, Gentiles, you once, you once did not have all of the commonwealth. You didn't have a knowledge of the law. You didn't have the blessings of God that the Israelites had. You didn't have literally bread coming down from heaven that you could eat and sustain you in dark times. But now, I love, I love it when the Bible does that. I love it when Paul's like, it, it was all bad. You were strangers. You were aliens. But now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, this is a racial passage, if you're missing the context, because the Jews had a separate area for the Gentiles to worship. The Jews had separate treatment for those who were not like themselves. And this is what I need us to understand. Right now in our culture, it's kind of like a trendy thing to be socially and racially aware. I am not preaching this sermon because it's cool and trendy. I will preach plenty of things that are not cool and trendy. I want to stay in what the Bible says is true. And if the Bible says it's true, then we as followers of Jesus must pursue what God has commanded us to do and live in and exemplify. So if it's true that in Christ Jesus, those who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, we're going to talk about this not only racially, but in the context of what's going on in our country. Because there are people who, who, who have told me that you cannot be a Democrat and a Christian. And there are people that have told me you cannot be a Republican and a Christian. There are people that have told me when they come here to visit, wow, your church is really diverse. I don't know what they mean. I tell them, yeah, our, our Savior is Middle Eastern, and it's, isn't it weird we have a bunch of white people coming? I, th I think it's funny. Now, there's this divis divisiveness ar all around us. But we have to come back all the way to the center. And there's two things. And as you know, if you've been here, we are all about Jesus. The blood of Jesus, I'm going to talk about a lot today because it's right here. We who were once far off have been brought near by what? The blood of Jesus. If you're new to Christianity, be freaked out like I was. One of my first times in a service, this was when I went to a, a church gathering where they had an organ for the primary instrument. So I'd go to the youth group, which was just like guitars and drums. And then I'd go to the main service, and it was haunted carnival music playing. And then they sang this song. Um, and I love the song now. But one of the lyrics is, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Like, straight up, if you're a 17, 18-year-old kid, and A, you've never been to a haunted carnival, and B, so now you're there, and the creepiest music is playing, and there's people that are like two months away from meeting Jesus, 
in a choir just up there singing. There's a fountain filled with blood. I'm in the back like, oh, no, where's the fountain? Everyone run. This is like Timothy McVeigh. Get out, get out. I was like, oh, no, no, this is about Jesus. I get it now. But back then, no one explained it to me. Back then, I was just a terrified teenager. What's going on? The blood, the blood of Christ. In the Old Testament, blood was the life. Which is why when you sinned, every year there was a sacrifice where for your sin, you would take an animal, the perfect animal in your flock, and they would sacrifice it and bleed it out. And they would say, your sin cost a life, that's the life. The blood was symbolic of life. And we, we now, have been brought in to God's covenant family. We've been brought in to God's blessing. We've been brought in to God's people by the blood of Jesus. Because without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no forgiveness of sins. Now, here's the, the catchy thing that I think is, is so amazing. And this is um, the, my hero that I talked to. He wrote a book about this, actually. We, as human beings, come from different places. We have different ethnic backgrounds, right? Um, a- anyone here European descent? Anyone here European descent? Okay. Anyone here Native American descent? I know there's a couple. Oh, yeah, there they are. Woo-woo. Anyone here uh, from the greatest uh, mother country, the Filipinos? Where's my Filipinos at? Woo-woo. All like three of us. Yeah, yeah. Anyone here other parts of Asia? Anyone here uh, African background descent? So, so we have all these different bloodlines. We have all these different bloodlines. And we have this ethno-linguisticness about us. In Christ, we are taken from bloodlines and we are put into the bloodline. Our identity in Jesus is our primary identity in life. If we are going to see anything with this racial tension, find some centeredness and grounded in the grace of Jesus. We have to stop playing bloodlines and come to the bloodline. We have to stop being just different people who happen to gather in a proximity and begin to be people who are rooted and grounded on the blood of Jesus alone. So that it's no longer my identity being primarily half Pacific Islander, half white. It's, I'm in Christ. And it's pretty cool that I get to eat lumpia and German food. But I'm in Christ. Now here's what happens in our culture we put up dividing walls. We put up all sorts of dividing walls. I've shared with you before, um, as a kid who moved here from California, the day that that um, Confederate flag thing went down in the news in the Carolinas, that day was terrifying for me. Because I'm like this hippie, kale-eating, oat-loving Californian West Coast kid, and I go to Publix that day, and just dozens of trucks with Confederate flags just flying. And And I understand, like, well, there's the history, there's this, there's that. But it was crazy. Because also in Florida, I know that 99% of you all have, like, shotguns in your Levi's right now. Okay? I get that reality. But but here's what we, if we are focused on the bloodline of Jesus, the racial division that exists cannot and has no place here. It should not, cannot, must not exist here or in our lives out there. 
And and if that is still something, you're like, well, I don't I don't really do that. I didn't fly my Confederate flag. I need us to always check our hearts and not just say, and I'm not saying just, I'm not saying white people, I'm saying black, white, Asian, Hispanic, wherever you are, I want us to look at our hearts and ask, is the primary identity of my life in the bloodline of Christ, or do I have in the dark of dark places some stains of racism and division and disunity? Because Jesus came to break those down. And, and here's what it looks like. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, that you're closetly, secretly a racist and you just filter your mouth. I'm saying look at your heart and say, when you are engaging with somebody that's different from you, do you say, I, I, I'm at home with this person, just like any other person? Could you sit down and share a meal full of love and grace and charity with somebody who is a different ethnic bloodline? Could you sit down with grace and charity with someone who's a different political plumb line? Sometimes I've seen that be a little bit harder in Florida. Because there's something that has to rise above in us if we are going to see the world begin to change. And, and I don't think it's just enough that we say it. I think if Jesus came to take outsiders and make them insiders, if Jesus came to give his life to bring in those who were far off, the call now is on us to do what he did when he was in his body because that's what he did for us. Because when I said, are there any ethnic Jews in here? I can't see everybody, but I could not see a hand raised. So apart from Jesus running to you, chasing you, pouring out his blood for you, you are apart from God. But because of his great mercy, he said, come in. I will die for you. I'll go to the cross for you so you can be in. And then he goes to heaven and says, I'm going to give you my spirit. And now go do what I did. Go bring that radical sacrificial, outpouring love to others. Not just say, I agree that it's a good thing, but what are we going to be as agents of reconciliation? Verse 14, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one, he has unified us, and he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. Jesus came to abolish it. And this, is, this word is, this phrase is very interesting to me. Verse 15, how did he do it? This is how he did it. He did it by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. So Jesus came in other places. It says he fulfilled the law. He looked at all of God's laws and he said, these people are going to blow it over and over again. So I'm going to fulfill it by being everything they can't and I'm going to give them my report card. I'm going to trade my goodness for their badness. I'm going to make it so they no longer are governed by that phrase, the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. I mean, that's a mouthful. It's, it's like this. In the Jewish religion, they had the rules of God. And then, in the core of rules, they made a bigger circle of rules to keep them from breaking the inner circle of rules. And then they made a broader circle of rules to keep them from breaking the inner circle to protect the inner circle. And in doing so, they missed the heart of what the law was all about. 
in doing so, they would say, well, you can't walk. You can only walk so far on a Sabbath day or it's considered working. So they would measure out with rope how far they could walk. On the Sabbath day, you were, they couldn't spit on the dirt because it would make mud, and they used mud to make brick, so that was considering working on the Sabbath. I mean, these are the laws upon laws upon laws. These were laws with footnotes and academic papers. And Jesus came to fulfill the law, to abolish all of these ordinances, to get us to the heart of what matters. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you get love right, this all falls into the right place. If you get love wrong, you're a jacked-up, turkey-baking-eating person. And I say that because you can't eat pork. Did you know that we couldn't even eat bacon back in those days? Like if you were an Orthodox Jew? Even today, pray for them. So how do we do it? What are the obstacles? Because there are plenty of obstacles that want to keep us divided. There are plenty of obstacles. I can name some of them by name. I could be like, you want some obstacles that keep us divided racially, politically, socioeconomically? I'll, I'll list some. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. NBC, Huffington Post, Washington Post, New York Times, sometimes my mouth, sometimes your brain. I tried to get all the gamut. I don't know who else to mention. Infowars, like the fringe people, the core people, the middle people. There, there's all these walls just going up. And then two forked tongues. This is so bad. These people, these people, these people. We should all just get together and love each other. And it's so sad how fast we go right back to division. Whether it's racial division, whether it's political division, it used to be that before Twitter existed, we would come together for longer periods of time. Like after 9-11, like our country came together for probably six months before we started. But then like somebody shoots up a, a Republican baseball team and it lasts for five hours. And then all of a sudden, you just feel the burble of garbled garbage coming back to the surface. Well, this is this is that. If you didn't do this, if you were for the LGBT, if you were in the racial, blah, 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 blah. Here, here's what I want to say. There's a power greater than all those working against us. There's actually a lot of things working against us, and we've got to deal with these, these obstacles. We've got to deal with these things that are going to prevent us. The first I'm going to say is Satan and sin himself. If you're here and you don't believe in the spiritual supernatural, um, you're, you're okay to disagree with me, but I just know that I'm talking about Satan as a being right now, an actual being who is conniving, who is the father of lies and a murderer, who is the root of evil, who is the director of doubt, Satan. Now, Satan, if you don't know this, is one-on-one -on -one with you stronger. You apart from Christ, you know gospel, Satan wins every time. It's like LeBron James against the newborn. Sorry, I, is he the wrong guy? It's like Kevin Durant versus a newborn. Let's do, okay, it's like Michael Jordan versus a newborn. He's the best. Okay, no argument. <coughs> Kareem. Okay. You can't say too soon on that. Lakers, like 1980. Come on. Satan is here and has come in 
and he, for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, is wanting to get people to do things that are not God-centered. So in regards to this text today, Satan wants there to be division racially. Satan wants there to be tension racially. Satan wants there, if you're not going to be an openly hateful person, if you're not going to be a white supremacist, if you're not going to be the black power, if you're not going to be just like the the council for the Latinas or Latinos, if you're not going to be that, he's going to say, fine, I'm going to get it in the secret parts of your heart. I'm going to make it so that when you see someone of a different race, distrust comes up. I'm going to make it so that when you see someone different from you, it's a little bit of a smirk of like, I don't want to be around that person. I'm going to make it so when someone posts something you don't like on social media, you cringe and you go to the angry emoji thing. I'm going to make it like that. And that's okay because I'm not going out and doing anything to harm people. I'm just harboring it all in here. Well, Jesus came to take what was far and bring it near. And I promise you that your farness from God was farther than any racial tension that has existed in this world. But Satan is conniving. He's been doing this for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. He's not some bumbling buffoon walking around not knowing what to do. I don't know what to do. He knows what to do. But, but we have hope. Jesus came in uh, 1 John 3. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Satan came to kill. Jesus came to bring life. Satan came and divides. Jesus brings unification. He came to destroy the devil's work. In Hebrews 2, 14, it says that through the death, through death, Jesus might destroy the one who has power of death. That is the devil. He came to destroy Satan and his works. So it's not just enough that we say, I agree that racism is bad. I agree that division is bad. I believe that we have to step into, by the grace and power of Jesus and what he's done for us, step into the game and say, what am I doing to be an agent of reconciliation in a world that is desperately broken? And I know some of you may be thinking, Pastor Ryan, this is like for the the older people here. This is like for the people in the 60s that are still trying to relive their civil rights moment. And I'm I'm telling you, it is not. If you don't believe me, just walk around Tampa in neighborhoods where people that are are different looking from you. Racism, division is alive. Racism and division is flourishing in communities and hearts. I love, you guys, I love, I love this week at the chapel family. Um, because we have a fairly diverse group. So I do demographic studies on Fishhawk. I do a five-mile radius from here. And then I compare the demographic uh, data on the Chapel family, you guys, to the demographic data for five-mile radiuses from here. So I'm like, okay, percentage-wise, there's, there's this many black African-Americans, there's this many Latinos, there's this many Asians. And then I go through my database, and I'm like, okay, percentage-wise, this many blacks, this many lat- Latinos, sad three Filipinos. And I, I do that. I think, okay, are we reflecting the community at least? Because here's what I generally have seen. You have black churches and like one white family. Or you've got Hispanic churches. Now, that's oftentimes a language thing, so that's different. And then you've got white churches with one black family. 
White churches, black churches, one white family, you got it. We are not bloodlines. And we have things to learn from our bloodlines. But we, if we believe in this truth, have been brought in by the blood of Christ through the cross, his free gift, so that we have nothing to boast about. Yet Satan will try to thwart us. So remember, own, embrace that Satan has been defeated. The next thing is pride. We've talked about pride a lot here because your pastor struggles with pride. There's the, there's the positive side of pride, being the best, trying to be superior. And there's also the inferiority pride, which is always beating yourself up. That's the, the form of reverse pride. It's on the back side of the coin. The top side of the pride coin is, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, it's all about me. The bottom side of the coin is, woe is me, poor me, my life is so hard. Both of those, pride defined as being absor- absorbed and obsessed with yourself. Humility is being obsessed and absorbed with God and others. So it's, pride is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. With this concept of division and race, this must be something we address. Because we have a whole new era of children growing up. The baby boomers, those of you who are in the boomer age, you're, you're at the sunshine state. You're, you're not at the top of the hill. As the birthday cards would say, you are over the hill. And don't feel bad. So I do the math thing, right? So I'm 36. I'm turning 37 next year in March. I just turned 36. But I think I'm going to pass away hopefully by 74. So I've, I've thought, okay, like, that's it. Like, I'm coming up on my midlife. Because you never see, like, guys that are, like, 80 years old and six foot six. You just don't. My ticker's got to tick a little bit harder to get the blood going, and I eat tons of bacon. I've had 13 strips today. Um, it's a plan. It's a plan. When I die, don't even autopsy me. Just write to the autopsy person. He died from fatty meats and heavy cheeses, and, that, and then they can sign it and go. That's how I'm going to go. But, but as, I, as I get older, as I begin to have that sense of, like, I need bacon, coffee, and Motrin, I'm beginning to realize that, like, my, my time is, you got some teenagers that were here this week helping the kids. Man, I was looking at those teenagers just thinking, this is it. Like, these are the kids who have to take the banner, take the flag of Jesus and charge into the next generation where their peers are running from the church, running from the church, because as a body, as a body, we just feel sometimes lifeless and stale, and we just skirt around these peripheral, these peripheral issues. We don't need to just skirt around and say, this is kind of bad, this is a sin. We need to charge the hill on issues that matter to God. Unity in bringing people in who are far away from us, different from us, matters to God. Life matters to God. Love, serving, laying down your life for others matters to God. It's not coming here and sitting. Sitting and then not doing anything doesn't matter. It won't change the world. It won't inspire the next generation. What will inspire the next generation is your kids seeing you feed the poor and the needy. What will inspire the next generation is you dealing with your issues 
so that your kids can see you wrestling with it, saying, I'm going to be in the bloodline of Jesus more than any other bloodlines around me. I'm going to intentionally be an agent of reconciliation. I'm going to be an agent of unity, an agent of bringing things together, not pushing things apart. We don't need to do what the Jews did for so long because we have been brought in by the blood that Jesus might create one in the place of two. He might reconcile us to God vertically so that we can live in unity horizontally with others. This is what Paul calls us to today. Back then it was Jew-Gentile. Today, I don't know, I don't know that I've been in a time in my life, in 36 years, where racism has been so tense. Now you might argue, like, well, in the 80s, it was still like interracial marriages were still looked down upon maybe a little bit. But there's a, a vitriolic poison about it on, on all sides. You know, with the, with the stuff about building the wall, and then the inner cities and the gangs and the crime, it's so much race. We ought to be agents in that, even at the cost of our lives. So, in Christ, we can claim and hold on to the good news of Jesus and his defeat of Satan, though Satan still thrashes around like a dying snake. We must search our hearts for pride. We must put to death any guilt that we have if you have existed in the past with racism in your heart. Nail it to the cross and remind yourself there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So now you can leave your racism at the cross where these kids put up their sin. By the way, there's a lot of liars in the kids' ministry. They put their sins up here. I lied to my parents. I lied to win. I lied. I'm like, dang. And then I think to myself what I always think. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Better talk to your parents about this lying stuff. Don't lie to yourself about who you are and where you've been. Admit when you're wrong. Press into Christ and put your sin upon the cross and leave it there. Walk from here shame-free. If you've been the most racist person for the last decades of your life, leave it here. Walk out forgiven. Seek reconciliation with those you've offended. And then become an agent of unity in this world. Don't be hopeless. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God. No hostility, no division. Don't be greedy, wishing that things could go back the way they were. There is no such thing as the way it was was better. I get sent, and I've shared this before, my, my mother-in-law's a little bit older. She sends these things about like, oh, if it could go back to the way things were in the past. And at one point, I saved a Time, I think it was a Time magazine cover. I've got the cover picture saved on my computer. And it's a picture of a husband, and the article, headline article is How to Spank Your Wife. And she says, I wish things could go back to the way they were. And I send that picture and say, me too. There's some of you got it. Happy Father's Day. But it was like legit. It wasn't even a joke. Don't, don't be greedy to want things only in your cultural bubble. Don't hate others. We're not here to hate. We're here to love. We're not here to divide. We're here to unify. We're here to be tender and kind. Don't be apathetic about this issue. Walk in proactive 
Christ-centered, Jesus-stoked motivation to be a different person in this world. It's got to start here. I don't see how it can start in any other place because every other realm is addicted to their bloodlines. The church is one of the few places, I believe, where we can have all the bloodlines merge into the bloodline. Here's what God calls us to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you would send Jesus to die for a wretch like me, that you would send Jesus to take those of us who are far and bring us near, that you would make a bloodline through the cross. God, help us not just to be bystanders who, who passively disagree. Help us to be loving, radical, kind, proactive unifiers between race, between politics, between, between the rich and the poor, between the have and the have-nots, between those who are different from us within this church family, between the different denominations. God, help us to be humble and not think of ourselves more, but think of you and others more. Help us to be grateful for all that you have given us to bring us in. God, we love you. It's all for you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, today we got a couple of things going on. Um, because we're, we're out of time, I'm going to do this. If I can have the host just hold baskets at the back, we can just do offering as you go out today. There's also boxes on the side, or if you want to go drop your offering at a basket at guest services, you can do that. We've also got a display outside. For every $5 we uh, collect in this little coin display, it's going to be in the lobby. It's a little cardboard display with a tube. Uh, $5 gets clean water. I believe it's for like one person for a year, I want to say, something like that. So read the info on there. VBS raised $140, so that's uh, a bunch of wells. Math is not my strong suit. I got two degrees in theology. But if you would stand up, I will bless you. On your way out, please consider uh, giving us an offering to support the ministry here. Thank you again for those of you who volunteered for VBS. You guys are the best. We still have a, a handful of bags available. If you know someone in need, I think we're down to like seven bags, give or take. So if you are going to the Winn-Dixie or Publix, please, 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 we need gift cards to make more bags. We need food donations. Uh, get the meal sheets or email food at thechapelfh.org to find out more information. Let me bless you. We will get out of here. Please save some bacon for me because people stop me before I can make it out there. May God the Father of all of us go with you this week. May Jesus, who unifies us by the blood line, change your heart to be a person that brings together instead of pushes apart. And may the Holy Spirit give you wisdom and kindness and love and peace and joy as you press into this very, very important and not just political but theological issue in our world today. May they go with you in peace. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.